feeling the comeback. I've been here for years, rocking my peers, putting suckers in fear, making the tears rain down like a mine. Soon, listen to the bass go boom, explosion. Beautiful people of the internet, welcome to the BRB AFK podcast. We... Hey, hang on a second. Hang on, hang, hang on a second, Boston. Hang on. Can I, because you're producing, you're doing everything. Can I, can I welcome us to the show? It seems easy. I think I can do it. You know what? Okay. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll back it up. Back it up. Okay. Rewind. Right. We'll Just it. rewind. Rewind. <laughs> all right am i ready all right here we go hey guys hey knoxville welcome to dlc rio shit you know what (laughs) i am not good at this boston let's let you do it no 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 i was feeling it i was feeling it i you know what i screwed up i like the energy and you know what i am i am man enough to admit it when i when i screw up boston proceed all right good evening sinners welcome everybody to the first official episode of the BRB AFK podcast. As you may have saw in our last episode, our episode zero, we had a bit of a disembarking from the network that we had been with for a long time. More information on that episode, you can go listen to it. But today, I am your host, Boston McCown. Joining me, uh, our pop culture guru, Ryan Shipley. Hey, I, you know, I tried. I'm... (sighs) I'm going to give myself a minute of silence here and just kind of get over that. You know, I tried, though. I, I tried to touch the sun, and I got burned. <laughs> we'll get you prepped post one day. Okay. All right. Joining us from the ever-beloved ever, ever beloved Geeks Inherited the Earth podcast, welcome to the studio, Mike D. Hi. Happy to be here. This is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. And since we stumbled on it at the beginning of it, because I, I cut you off at the beginning, what is the name of our wonderful podcast now? Boston, Ryan, and... No, sorry. I wanted to put Bingy first. Aww. Bingy Ryan in Boston's Awesome Fantastic Kingdom, or BRB AFK for short. I'm just going to call it BRB. I got to say, it's uh, pretty clever. Pretty clever. Pretty good. I didn't understand what it meant when Boston first pitched it. <laughs> when he said BRB AFK, and then him and Bingy basically like high-fived each other. And then I'm sitting here in the corner going, I don't get it. I felt, yeah. Yeah, I was happy that it was old enough that some of the new kids won't get it. But it's young enough that Ryan stared at it funny, so I was happy. Nice. If you saw me, I tilted my head like a dog. Mm-hmm. We also are, normally, Scott will be joining us while Bingy is away. Scott is not in the bathroom this time. 30 minutes before um, we started recording, a tree fell on his power lines. Maybe maybe God is working with I don't know. Ooh, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. No, I don't think so either. This is more <laughs> the devil's work. Scott said his power just came back on, so he might join us at one point. It's going to be amazing if he comes in and we'll just pretend like we didn't even know he was going. Let's just do that. We will be hearing from Bingy at some point in this episode. Oh. Oh. As he did a bit of a remote spot to give his thoughts and feelings about The Last of Us 2, which I've not got a chance to play, but I have been keeping up with a lot of the controversies about and uh yeah there's uh, there's controversies yeah to quote the good reverend slipknot people equal shit um i've been really careful so far to avoid like all the the mind the mind traps like not getting spoiled because i'm still not that far into it yeah except for i did get spoiled by one guy that we all love named bingy <laughs> oh yeah so bingy and he doesn't know this yet <laughs> he'll know this when he listens to the episode which will make it better Bingy ended up getting the game like a week after it came out. 
I guess he was playing it and got to the first kind of big story point about like it's about I guess, like three or four hours into the game. And he uh, sent me like an audio clip and I started going, oh, this is awesome. I'll get to hear from Bingy. And five seconds into it, Bingy had spoiled it. Oh. <laughs> Offhand, he just said, yeah, I can't believe they did that. And then he went into it. I'm like, huh? Well, and the thing that sucks the most is I was literally 10 minutes from that spot. <laughs> That's what really sucks the most. I was about to go into the cabin where things go down. So, so just for, I will, I'll, I'll see if I can do this without spoiling it ourselves. Yeah. Is it the one that the death threats were about? I don't, I don't, okay. Were the death threats? I don't know how to, I don't know how to ask that without spoiling it. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, have you played it? I have not actually. Okay. I, I have a dark secret in my closet. I, uh, I've never finished the first one. No, I'm still working through the first one myself. <laughs> yes. Virtual high five. Bow. To be fair, I played it my first time last year. I wanted to play it before the second one came out, and I thought mm -hmm. that's when the second one first had the release date of, I think, the fall of 2019. Yeah. So I wanted to go through and play through the first one and be ready for it, and then, you know, it got pushed back as far as it did, which, like we say on this podcast, that's totally fine, because we want the game to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want finished games. We want developers that don't hate their lives. Yeah. Right. We're willing to wait. Yeah, 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 because, I mean... In this day and age, there is always something for you to do. This isn't yeah. like the 90s and the early aughts where you were always starved for content. <laughs> Let me ask you guys, do you guys prefer to binge shows or watch them, say, for example, maybe once a week and have that space between them? Do you have a preference? I sort of got into the binging mainly because I kind of enjoyed that pseudo freedom of, you know, oh, I can watch this on my own terms. I can do this however I want. Freedom! Yes, that's what I used to do whenever I would get a DVD set of a show. Like, I still remember when Invader Zim first released its the full season on DVD. Nice. Watch it over and over and over again. And so it was kind of like being able to do that right out the gate. That was alluring to me. I do enjoy shows on YouTube and other places that make you wait for it. There is something to be said about that joy of being able to watch it on your own terms. Although I'll also say I found that that tends to make me avoid some shows because I'm like, well, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to binge it and I don't have eight hours to spare. So <laughs> I guess I'll come back later. Like, that's why I haven't finished she mm -hmm. yet. I've heard such amazing things about it, but I have not finished it because I just haven't found the time to set aside. You said she -Ra? Yeah, she -Ra. The new power princess or whatever they call it. Yeah, the, the super okay. gay one. And I say that with utmost love. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You're you're an ally through and through. Honestly, I always wanted to see He-Man given that version long before that cartoon came out. I, I, you know, if you go back and watch that original show, there's so many overtones. I was like, I wanted to see them actually embrace it. I think the original one was pretty much the openly gay He-Man. Yeah. It, uh, going back and watching, it's like, wow. <laughs> to answer your question, I don't like the binge to my roommate's chagrin. Because there's some shows that he and I will just watch together, and I just can't do it. I, my my worry is always that I'm going to run out of TV shows, which obviously is never going <laughs> to be the case. No, <laughs> but I will try to do that. Where like maybe one episode every couple of days if it's something that's really awesome, or I'll try to get it to like once a week. We're watching through so many shows right now, but I can do that where I can have my 
attention multiplied along all kinds of different shows and kind of know what's going on. The only shows that really that doesn't work for it would be like Blind Spot and The Blacklist because they're so similar hmm. that yeah. I'm just thinking this story is going on that show and that story is on that show and I'm just right. completely wrong. I just, I can't binge. I can sit and watch TV. Don't get me wrong. I'm American. I can sit there and watch TV for like eight hours straight, but I just gotta, I gotta switch it up in different shows. Um, that reminds me once upon a time, it may be one of those urban legends, like the yellow five and Mountain Dew reducing sperm count. <laughs> I remember there was some study back in the nineties where they monitored your brain while you're watching television. And it was the same level of Zen that some Buddhist monks would train for years to try and achieve on their own. Huh. Really? And like, that's literally what's happening when you're vegging out is your brain just goes on autopilot. And it's like, so that's amazing. So they're doing that being bored and sitting there in the empty chamber and I'm doing it by watching Tiger King. Yep. I feel like I win that. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's a win for me. What do you usually do, Mike? I'm not one for the binging myself. For me, I find that it blurs everything together. I like to savor it. We've been watching Stargirl lately and more, more recently Watchmen. So good. I, I love it. And, and Watchmen, I, I really like the space between the episodes. I like talking to friends and speculating, oh, who's that in the corner? Yeah. You know, is that who you think it is? And I really like being able to savor it and sit on it for a while myself. But I don't know. That's just me. And that's the problem is you lose a lot of that, quote unquote, water cooler talk. Yep. Yep. People can be watching the shows at different times and you have those conversations. Have you got to that? Oh, you have, have you got to that? And it's just like, it's not as fun as like, even though the last season of Game of Thrones sucked, it was kind of cool that everybody. Boo. I know you liked it, but you were wrong. Uh, not me. <laughs> oh well, you oh you didn't like it. No, no. Oh yeah, Boston's the one that like. Oh god. I'm the one that thought it was completely logical, and y'all can go fuck yourselves. Her heel twist was logical with some of the stuff they they planted in previous seasons. It's just how rushed they got. They wanted to get to that ending. They had. Obviously, they wanted to end it when they did. HBO would have let them go a few more years. But that's my problem is. But it was kind of neat that everybody could talk about the episodes the next morning. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of neat. I mean, you don't really get that with the big HBO shows like Stranger Things. That would be cool to be able to talk about that weekly. I agree. And everybody just watches it in two days and it's done. Yeah. And in a way, I think it feels I feel so bad for the the creative people that do that because they put so much effort into it. And it's basically... Some people gobbled it up 12 hours after it uh, premieres. And you have no cliffhangers. The only cliffhanger you can have in that situation is at the very end. So you lose that kind of surprise element of, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because then you really do have to make that end of season cliffhanger something absolutely redonkulous because you've lost that anticipation for mm -hmm. the next episode. You don't have that desire. It was all used up in the, well, I'll just watch it now. Oh, yep. oh, uh, next Oh, oh, next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of blow your load all in the one sitting, and then you're like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the people going, man, there's nothing on TV to watch. And it's like, that's insane, motherfucker. There's always something to find. Let's say you got 10 episodes that come out once a week. You've got 10 whole weeks of something to look forward to. That's, that's a positive thing, I think. For sure. Going back a little bit to Stargirl, hmm. I know you guys talked about it on your first episode in Freedom Land. Freedom! Freedom! It's such a good show. Oh, man, so good. It's so freaking good. I like how they're, I mean, basically this is the origin season, but they're making it fun. They're not making it like most origin 
like that first season of Batwoman was a slog to get through at the end of it. I don't think that's really happened with Starville. I think it's also only 13 episodes. Is that right? I think that's correct. Yeah. So we still got a few to go. Yeah, we. I think nine or eight or nine was just last week. Have you watched any of it, Boston? I have still not seen it now. I won't feel bad if you guys want to talk about things that would spoil it for me. I, I'm not that. I would say the thing that I like the best about it so far, they're being pretty original to the costumes. Yes, that is nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Especially the opening scene where the JSA is fighting. Oh my, I mean, that is Alex Ross perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True to the original costumes. Yeah, and, and not only that, but really the whole vibe of it, because a lot of times they'll try to modernize that kind of stuff, because if you really look at it, the JSA is pretty goofy. Oh, definitely. But they embrace it. They lean in. Because JSA has the Green Lantern that still can't affect wood. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's his weakness. Yep. Yeah, his, uh, his powers are magic-based. It doesn't have anything to do with the other Green Lantern mythos you know. Yep. Yep. And they keep hinting to him. And just mm-hmm. like they've started hinting to Green Lantern and the CW-verse, or whatever they're calling it, the Arrowverse. Right. And the rumor has always been that Diggle is going to be a Green Lantern. But we have this upcoming Green Lantern HBO Max series. Yep. which is getting a full Hollywood budget. So that'll be very interesting to see as well. Oh, yeah. And then they just um, announced the... not going to be animated? No, I think it's live action, isn't it? Live, supposed to live action, yeah. And they're going to do a prequel to this new Batman series that Matt Reeves is doing with Terrence Winter riding it, which is amazing because he did Boardwalk Empire. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, so that's exciting. I think we're going to finally get like Gotham Central. Excellent. Yeah. I would still be down for seeing... Not quite a throwback to the Adam West Batman. Mm-hmm. Honestly, even like Brave and the Bold. I actually enjoyed Brave and the Bold Batman because it was that old school Batman where he was, they weren't trying to take him all fucking grim dark. Yeah. So miserable. It's <laughs> like, no, bad things happen to me and I don't want bad things to happen to you. I'm a good guy. Yeah. They made some peace with some stuff. That's how Batman has been portrayed the last couple of years since they scrapped the 52 hasn't it mike yeah he um well he makes jokes every now and then yeah he's a little more lighthearted he's a little more balanced i think would be the word i would use catwoman has kind of put him through the ringer that whole deal but yeah uh, yeah he's a little more balanced as a person he's just not all brooding on a gargoyle yeah which is something i like about stargirl they realize that all dc is not like that somebody like snyder you know he read dark knight returns he read watchmen and he thinks every dc property has to feel like that you know my parents are dead and uh it's dc is not all like that and that's something stargirl does to great success is is pulling in that wholesome kind of fun aspect that marvel kind of leans into but it, it doesn't feel like a marvel property it's it's just good and heartfelt yeah, yeah. If you look at the success of the DC animated universe, mm-hmm. that was what set them apart and made it so enjoyable was that they weren't trying to to grim dark everything. Mm-hmm. Like there was some serious stories, but they still try to make it for kids. You got to have that fun aspect of the DC universe because that's the thing. You know, DC universe Marvel's the one that's supposed to be about realistic superheroes, quote unquote. <laughs> DC. They're gods. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They are gods. Have fun with it. But you're right there about Scott Snyder. Like, I don't know what's happened to him, but over the last couple of years, he's basically decided he's the new Grant Morrison. Yep. <laughs> it sucks. No, you're absolutely right. I thought that exact same thing. Uh, I think it was Dark Knight or Metal that really sold that for yeah. me. I was like, wow, okay, you are now trying trying to be Morrison. And uh, <laughs> I can't handle Morrison. I'm sorry. I- same. I think I read the first few issues of snyder's justice league and i was like i 
I just can't do this. Too much. Just too much. It's it, it's always at eleven. I'm like, man, just bring it down a little bit. God. <laughs> I mean, you can still be artsy. Hickman is mm-hmm. great at with like what he's doing with the X Men, but Snyder's is just I don't know. Like I'm re I'm picking up death metal just because I like the art. Yeah, Capullo is incredible, by all means. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to care about the story, because I just don't care about Snyder. It's that kind of comic where when you get the second issue, you have to go back and read the first issue again to even remember what happened, and so on for each issue of the story. I mean, that's one of the, I guess, the only thing where I will sometimes binge. is if it's going to be like a six-part story, I'll get the issues as they come out and then put them aside and then read them all together. There's some books that I'm reading month to month. Snyder stuff, that's what I'll do, is I'll wait till Metal is over. And then I'll read it like in one setting or like two settings and I'm still not going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, that is so funny. We feel the exact same way about that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't I don't get the love. I mean, I liked his um his 52 Batman. That might have been the only oh, Court of Owls. I'm not going to lie. It's one of my all time favorite Batman stories. I'll put it up there with some of my favorites. And then just the longer it went, he's like, wow, man, you really want us to know that you think you're very smart. All right, I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah, all right. Don't you know I'm very smart? <laughs> we know stuff. So what are you reading right now, Mike? My DC has slowly and slowly waned over the years, ever since Rebirth. I absolutely yep. love Rebirth, but the longer it's gone, Didio, Didio, I'm not even sure. I'm good riddance to him, by the way, but his vision of DC is not mine, and they've just slowly trailed off. So I've been leaning a little bit more into Marvel lately. Any, anything Donny Cates is writing, yeah. I'm a huge fan of, by all means. That's great. In fact, I'm looking forward to this uh, Black King crossover coming up in the winter. That looks like a cool crossover. Has someone decided what I think about the cosmic event that's going to start officially really next week? Empire? Yeah, I don't haven't figured out what I'm thinking about that yet, but yeah. Me either. I'll, I'll check it out, but I, I've been kind of bludgeoned to buy these crossovers after a while, so I'm not, there's not really many I look forward to, but we'll see. Yeah. For DC, I think I'm down to... I still read... Batman. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually gotten better since they brought James Tyrion on. I agree. Oh, I love that writer, man. He's fantastic. And the stuff he did over on Detective was A+. He's good. And then I like, I guess my other big writer I like right now is also at DC doing Deceased and Suicide Squad. Hmm, not read that stuff, but it's supposedly good. It's really good. They had a zombie Wonder Woman. Hmm. Deceased is kind of like their version of Marvel Zombies. Mm-hmm. So it's following like the survivors. And they did like this three-part miniseries that was like all the heroes that they were doing here what were all the villains trying to do? So it basically follows like a few of the back characters. It follows Red Hood and Cassandra Kane and Jim Gordon. And they're basically locked in this building mm-hmm. with Solomon Grundy, Cheetah, Deathstroke, and another one. And they're basically just trying to hold that fort down because there's also kids inside there oh. and just to try to survive. Oh, the children. Yeah, it's and they're trying to get to Gotham because Poison Ivy has created this dome hmm. that the zombies can't get through. Oh, that's cool. It's a super cool story, yeah. So you're saying at one point it's plants versus zombies? Uh-huh. Oh, nice. You get a high five. Crossover. <laughs> yeah, and Constantine looks like he's the star of the new series I just started. Each issue, the C cover is a an homage to an old horror movie poster. Oh. They did a really cool one, the second issue, where I think it was like the Joker dresses Pennywise and Robin as the little kid. It's better than just throwing a crowbar at him. Oh, <laughs> it's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, the uh, the old disruption uh, in the comics industry from COVID kind of kind of really threw me off. I was in such a rhythm of checking the Diamond app every week and knowing what was going on, and then it just kind of went to a spin. And 
now it's just coming back. So it kind of threw me off. Yeah. And, and then DC basically just completely pulled out a diamond. Yeah. Astonishing. Very astonishing. I mean, the thing that's been, I'm thankful that the new group they're through is still giving the comic book stores, like whatever their discount was that they had a diamond. Oh, that is good. I know that was a big concern. It's one of those things where I know that diamond's not the best company and there doesn't really need to be monopolies, but DC's excuse of doing it was kind of shitty during a pandemic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, diamond was trying to keep their employees safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then DC yeah. just keeps pushing out digital only books now. Like they're doing a Harley Quinn like that. And they have a, they did a DC stuff mini series like that, but it just seems like is this is DC just trying to kill the direct market. What do you think about digital comics? Is that something you can get into? No, I don't like it. Me either. I'm, I'm like, I'm old school. What do you think, Boston? Because you're not really a giant comic book fan. As I was actually going back through today and rereading a bunch of my favorite web comics, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for digital comics. I've, I've been a big fan of them for a long time, with the exception of some of the Ninja Turtle stuff that I used to read when I was a kid. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's where most of my comics came from for the longest time was getting them offline. Uh, even he's now under fire, but Warren Ellis, Freak Angels. I found Freak Angels when it first came out on digital, just a website. Yeah. Mega Tokyo, Mac Hall, Real Life Comics, like so much of my, where some people would just like go and get the daily paper and go through the comics that were there. I had 18 fucking tabs. Mm-hmm. that i would open up every morning i even had some of them done by like what days they updated so i'd <laughs> only be like all right it's monday who's updated you guys all right <laughs> read it. Yeah, that's awesome so you'd get your morning coffee and sit down in front of your laptop and pull up your tab yeah let's see what freak angels is up to today yeah that's pretty awesome the weird one of course the weird thing about that one of my favorites from back in the day dresden kodak he started a series called dark science mm-hmm. in 2010 it was the first page was, I think, August of 2010. He just released page 99 last month. Whoa. Oh, dear God. Wait, huh. that's... Now, he's got other projects. I get that. But it has taken him 10 years to almost get to 100 Damn. pages. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's... Wow. I mean, I know comic book artists and at Marvel that work for Marvel and DC that kind of felt like that. J. Scott Campbell. Um, <laughs> <but> that's nuts. <laughs> Now, each page is a fucking work of art. Like, it's almost... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite Alex Ross, but it's high-quality shit. It's still just that point of, well, I guess I'll figure out what happens in two months from now. All right, see ya. Is it, is it in color or black and white? Oh, it's full color. It's... Okay, all right. Well, that's that's a little better, I guess. I don't necessarily agree with some of his politics. He's one of the best digital artists I've found on online for a, in a long time. Oh, does he let his politics kind of seep into his work, though? He... So that's not even the thing. It was somewhere around seven years ago that I got pissy with whatever he said. So I don't even fucking remember what it was. Huh. As I was going back and joining the archives, because I was like, you did something that upset me, but uh, that was seven years ago. What do you got now? No, I totally get it. Like I used to, there was a comic book called Cerebus yeah. that was written and drawn by Dave Sim. And I really liked it. And then I started getting like more political and starting to read that into that kind of stuff and i started seeing like what kind of person dave sim was mm-hmm. and then it was just one of those things where i just couldn't support the book anymore mm-hmm. i'm one of those guys that i want to be able to separate you know the art from the artist but sometimes that's a little hard to do 
Yeah. Especially yeah. with some of the shit that Dave Sim has said. I've been thinking about that recently, especially when Warren Ellis got called out and some of the stuff that Neil Druckmann's been saying from The Last of Us, also J.K. Rowling. Oh, God. How much of the bathwater do you throw out with the baby, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was actually a webcomic that was talking about that, where the statement they made was, the fact that I can even have that conversation means I'm not part of the group that's being affected the most by it. Ah, right. So it's like, yeah, no, they're the ones that are going to be having to make that call. I can go find something else. Like, yeah. You know, I try not to lean too much publicly into politics myself because, God, we've got enough of that. But we recently here at the yeah. house reconnected uh, with V for Vendetta. And wow. Okay. He was prophetic in some of the things. This story came out in 1981, and we're dealing with a situation where it's the former United States. They're in the middle of a civil war following a pandemic. And they're desperate for medical supplies. I mean, what in the world? <laughs> so two things. One, when he wrote the book, a whole bunch of that shit was near happening to begin with. Like, ah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, the book of Revelations. There's rumors that the island that the dude was on is covered in psilocybin mushrooms. So there's a large theory that the book of Revelations in the Bible is just fear and loathing in the time of Nero. <laughs> it's like the original Gonzo journalism. <laughs> so he was literally just talking about how Nero was a piece of shit or was a Caligula. I don't remember. Anyway, I, I've been thinking in a similar vein though, of where our world's going demolition, man, uh, like that a little more accurate. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Like it's one of those funny things when I read trans metropolitan back when it was, you know, first coming out. Yeah. And I was like, this is just like such a insane version of what he thinks the future is going to be. And then you start looking at today and going, yeah, I could see where like maybe in a hundred years we could get there. Now. Oh yeah. 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 With how dumb we are as not just us, but the world now, how dumb we all are that I could definitely see it going in, in that direction. I do agree because uh, of course V for Vendetta, similar to uh, killing joke and Watchmen, there was a lot that people kind of missed. Mm-hmm what they're going for yeah ah yes yeah but you can tell people don't get watchmen when you look at like right before watchmen came out and everybody got upset and yelling oh it's just all social justice warriors now and uh, why is it so political uh. yeah and it's like you did not get watchmen you probably thought rorschach was a good person yep yep yeah um how far are you into watchmen now mike uh the show finished it um absolutely I okay it. yeah did you watch it boston I have not watched the show because we've not had that service. Dare I say you are going to adore it. I really think you'll oh, love it. it's so um, good. And, it, and it's so important to me as a show for what it has to say for right now. Um, oh, yeah. And educational. I'm going to admit right now, much to my embarrassment, I did not know about Tulsa. Same. I learned of it through that show. Um, and I felt ashamed I didn't know. But you know what? Most people don't. And that's staggering. That That's just kind of been covered up. When I learned about it, I turned to my roommate and go, this is on you for not teaching me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Ryan. Sorry. Uh, it's just a weird time that we live in. But no, that is one of those things that's so weird because like, typically during Black History Month, you would learn about George Washington Carver. You would learn about mm. Harriet Tubman, all people that we should know about. But stuff like sure. that, dark stuff in history, I think that the only dark thing they ever wanted to teach you about in history was the Trello Tears. I think that's the only mm. really, the only 
horrible thing that they, they, really, they hammered that one in though. They they went all in on that. Oh, one, they did. So. Yeah, nothing else really. None of the other nope. horrible things. They they made the whole pilgrim and Indian thing seem like a really cool, nice thing that we did. Oh yeah, it's really like it's a meal. It's like sitting down at a buffet. You know, it's good. Thinking back to it, even the Trail of Tears, they made it sound like it was inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, and they were happy tears. Yeah, it's just it's a kind of annoying tunnel you had to walk down. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, I don't those Indians say, oh, it's so <laughs> bad. Spoiler warning for anybody that's listening to this right now. This is your warning so that Bingy doesn't ruin your life like he did mine. There is your warning. You have been warned. Hello, hello, everybody. I am back. <laughs> this is Bingy here. As of now, as you can tell, that uh, I'm away from the show for a while in an undisclosed location, trying to be able to do some soul searching, you know? Do some growing up. I'm trying to be like Kane from Kung Fu, except without all the autoerotic asphyxiation. But anyway, you know that doesn't stop me from playing any video games out there, especially depressing video games. And boy, do I got something for today. My thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2. I am a huge fan of the first game. It is not just one of the best PS3 games I ever played, but also one of the best games I ever played in terms of story, pacing, character, setting, gameplay, everything about it I really enjoyed. A lot of people like to give David Cage shit for trying to make his own movies, but I felt like Naughty Dog was doing their own dramatization. Also, I'm a huge fan of Naughty Dog from the very beginning from the Crash Bandicoot trilogy and seeing them now from that to Uncharted to Last of Us, it's amazing how much they've grown over the years. So when I heard the news that there was gonna be a sequel to The Last of Us, I was so happy about it because I wanted to see how this story would progress past the first game because how the first game ended is something pretty interesting. We might as well go ahead and get the story over with. Like a lot of people when it came to the ending for The Last of Us Part 1, I was conflicted about how Joel decided to do what he did for Ellie. You do realize that you basically killed off the entire human race by doing that. You do realize that, Joel, right? That's the thing about the ending that I found very interesting. And it was like, man, I wonder what they're going to do next with this. Because it left it open what they could do with this story. How they do that with Last of Us Part Two, I'm conflicted. Just to get this out of the way, Joel gets killed off at the beginning of the game by what you find out later to be former Fireflies, who are led by a new character in the franchise named Abby, daughter of a surgeon that was going to be the person to operate on Ellie, but when Joel was on his rampage trying to get her out, he also took down the surgeon. So she hunts him down for the course of four years. A lot of people I can understand are upset about the killing off of Joel. I see that. It was bound to happen, though. With how the first one ended, it felt like that was going to happen eventually. I knew a character was going to be killed off either by a clicker out of nowhere or by other factions that have a rivalry against Joel from, like, years ago. It's the world of The Last of Us. It's depressing. I feel like there's literally no hope. I just think that they killed off Joel way too early. I feel like this should have been something done for a third game. Doing the second game, this should have focused more on Joel and Ellie. Ellie eventually finding out the truth about what really happened and their relationship from there. And how are they going to work together? That's, I believe, what people were expecting from this. 
not in about 10 hours worth of playing for Ellie's stuff. All of a sudden, introducing the character, you go into Abby's point of view. You play as Abby in this. I don't hate Abby as much as everybody else does. I think she's just a bit of a bland character. And yeah, she's a bit of an asshole at times. Was I conflicted about the fact that I was playing somebody who killed off Joel? Yeah, but that's the whole point of it. Trying to get both sides of the spectrum with Ellie's story and also Abby's story being a part of this faction that are hunting down another faction, but they're going to go and try to catch Ellie as well. It just felt rushed to be able to get to Joel's ending. With that out of the way and how the, the second one ends, I'm wondering if they're going to even continue with The Last of Us story-wise. really doesn't feel like there's more you can tell with this unless you're going to go into abby's perspective or into another character's perspective especially with how much controversy this thing has had with like the leaks and also the drama behind the scenes with naughty dog i give them props for doing something as bold as to kill off a major character uh, unfortunately a lot of the fans don't really agree with you on that to me it's like that ryan johnson effect of like the last jedi you wanted to subvert expectations and do something a little different that fans may or may not like Speaking as a fan of the first game, I'm in the middle of it. I don't hate it. I think it's still compelling stuff to look at, to watch. The way that they executed it, I think this should have been done as a third game altogether. Since I got the big story aspect out of the way, what about the gameplay? Well, the gameplay itself is really just the same, except for a different kind of crafting system. And it rewards you with looking for scavenging around for items and everything to make med kits and Molotov cocktails and to upgrade your weapons. But if you look at certain places, they give you these manuals that will allow you to learn more tricks, how to make traps, how to make a silencer for your gun, survival instincts, like, you know, you're listening and hearing mode and like see them from a mile away if you could, terrain of like melee combat. That's one thing I will say that is fun to play when it comes to Abby is the fact that this woman is so fucking strong. She like punch these guys straight in the fucking face. And it's just like she has no fear whatsoever. It's like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you want to go? You want to go? That's right. And stomp on their head with my foot, man. Like, that's fun. As somewhat manipulative as how the emotional moments of the game can be at times, like when Ellie is in the hospital and she gets attacked by a dog and then she kills a dog. But then you find out later on that Abby's and her gang's dog. So now you feel bad about it because you played fetch with a dog earlier playing as Abby. Emotional but kind of manipulative. They still find ways to make it fun to blowing up people, you know, the enemies in general. If you make a landmine, if they trip on it, you know, halves of their bodies just fly up. And then all of a sudden you start hearing some random NPC just yell out, Oh no, Johnny! Oh no, Alexa! Oh no, Ben! I should feel sorry about this. I get it. You're trying to make me feel sad about the fact that I killed off one of their friends, one of their mates. But it's still a video game. In the end, this is really just a video game. And I look at it as nothing but a video game. The drama behind this thing, especially with the leaks, because I didn't look into it at all. I know a lot of people did, and when they saw what was going on, they were not going to be a part of it. I looked at it after I played the game. I can understand why people are upset about it. But the way that they're going about this is wrong. You're sending death threats to a voice actress for a fictional character. The whole controversy behind The Last of Us has just been getting out of hand. You know, she didn't write the script. She had nothing to do with the process of this game. She just did her job. Please leave the poor woman alone.
in the end, though, I really do enjoy the game itself. As a game, it is a 7.5, 8 out of 10 range. Is it as good as the first game? I don't really think it is. As much as I have conflicting notions with the story in and of itself, I still enjoyed the game. I still had a good time with it. I had fun with it. I really hope that Naughty Dog can get past this and move on. Naughty Dog, and I know you're listening to this. I know this is your favorite podcast show ever. Give your workers less crunch time, please. Please. Last of Us Part 2, 7.5 out of 10 range. Still a good game. I would wait to get it at a discounted price. I wouldn't go out and get it immediately. Gamefly.com, please sponsor us. Now that I got the depressing stuff out of the way, get myself ready for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. So, be looking forward to that in the future. Also, I want to make a quick note. To all the people that have been listening to this podcast from the very first iteration to now this third iteration of the show, thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Also, listen to Geeks Inherited the Earth. They're great shit. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I will be back soon with Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Looking forward to that. So, until next time, gamers, keep on gaming. Okay, so, Mike, what are you been playing? I'm, uh, you know what? I played Death Stranding and Final Fantasy VII Remake back to back and was so, oh, so emotionally drained and just blown away by that. I, I, I just kind of stumbled around for two days, kind of wondering where I go next in life. <laughs> but uh, right now, I'm kind of going back until um, PS5 and um, oh, what's the Cyberpunk game? 2025? Is that 2077. 2077. It's in the future. That I'm really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I'm kind of backlogging some stuff. I'm going back in, filling. Out, I'm trying to beat Rondo with Blood before I take on Bloodstained. Somehow got pulled back into Pokemon Shield. I'm doing Jedi <laughs> Fallen Order. I'm I'm really struggling with Jedi Fallen Order though, um, very much because I hate Cal Kestis's face. I get that. I get that. I really get that. I know that's a weird reason to struggle with the game, but it just bugs me. And I... <laughs> oh no no. There are so many games I won't play because I can't get just something off about the design. I'm just like, I'm not going to stare at this. Brought this up in the nerds thread that we have. And I was like, oh, God, I guess this face is killing me. And Cody goes, oh, that's because he's drone from Gotham. I was like, oh, I guess it <laughs> okay, is. Yeah, that's totally true. Like, that's happening in Animal Crossing. Ah. Like, there's some people that will just completely hate a villager just because of how they look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Like they just want to get rid of that villager. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with the villager, but it's just like the villager's ugly. And I get it because I did it. I had an anteater that had these big bushy eyebrows and kind of looked like Eugene Levy. <laughs> and I just did not have time for him. I was like, I don't want you. I want somebody cuter. And I swapped him out for this cute little koala bear. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think it just happens. If the look of the game doesn't wow you especially the main character because that's somebody you have to hang out with for like 30 hours yeah yeah so if you hate the design i mean mike and i have a mutual friend aelin who's a huge fan of this podcast you went to school with her right she would always try to get me into killer instinct Ah. and i fought that so hard because i thought the graphics the character models especially the quote-unquote sexy one that would be on the side of the arcade machine is it jade yes jade would just look so horrible like (laughs) like a blow-up doll going wrong i'm a sexy lady yeah (laughs) so horrible it's like number one ma'am those cannot be real lips (laughs) but yeah i I couldn't get into killer instinct because the look of it was just so gross i'll back that up 
And bless her heart, she would try. She would have like little classes at her parents' house where you would come over and she would try to teach you combos. That's the level of combos on that game, though. You have to take classes. That's a bit much. Yeah. And I just like, I, I can't do this. I'm going to, no, I'm just going to look on your computer because you have a computer. <laughs> this was 98. Right. <laughs> it's definitely playing with Uncanny Valley shit. Mm -hmm. The OG Killer Instinct, I also couldn't stand the way it looked. Yeah. But War Gods. Oh, God. oh yeah. Which, which was Midway effectively trying to do the exact same thing. Yep. I love their 3D models because they were like, I guess, a little more cartoony. Yeah. And the Clay Fighter series. Oh, yeah. Clay Fighter. Oh, yeah. yeah, I loved the Clay Fighter look. Uh, yeah, the what a uh, primal, uh, primal rage in there with that stuff too. I think. Yep. Yes. Yep. Primal rage, killer instinct. I was like, mm. yeah, that was when I. That's when a game could basically sell. It didn't have to have good control or anything like that. You're a fighting expert, Mike. Do you back me up there? Like primal rage, Clay Fighter is not really good fighting system. No, no, it, it's sloppy. They were just trying to get a, an image out and get people's quarters. Yeah, yeah, and they would just say, you know what. The only thing people kill about nowadays are fatalities. Yep. We'll do fatalities in our games. The game like Time Killers. <laughs> I spent so many quarters on that horrible game. Yeah. <laughs> and it was bad, but you could chop off limbs. <laughs> you could chop off kids. That's just what I wanted. I didn't want to have to learn Street Fighter. Street Fighter was boring. I wanted to be able to kill people. Well, that's why I loved the original House of the Dead. And uh, what was the one? I need... I almost forgot about it until you were just saying that. Carnival. Did oh, y'all ever wow. play that? No, no, I'm going to look it up. Is that a dinosaur one? No, it was... I, I want to say it was the same team that did House of the Dead. Okay. But it was... You had a shotgun instead of a pistol, and it was... It was, like, twice as gory as House of the Dead. Like, it was way more... Oh, this looks awesome. Where did you play this at? There was a limited run of arcades that got him. Okay. Because almost immediately it was one of the first games that got hit with when they were they were trying to do the whole ah it's too violent. Yeah, like it yeah, was because yeah. it was like that one and oh what was the other game that Looks got like it's on MAME, that's cool. Manhunt? Well, there was man I I gotta find a patch to get my copy of Manhunt working. Okay. I've got I've got it on Steam, but it's it is garbage. Are you thinking that uh, that game that I actually played because I had a friend that actually had a, a gold copy of it, but it got scrapped right before it was coming out and it got rebranded with the, the Wu-Tang people. Yes. Oh, wow. That one. Uh, that's the one I was trying to think of. What's that one called? I forgot what it was, but yeah, because my, my friend Eric had a pirated copy of the original game. Oh, yeah. Because it, it was going to come out and then and they were like, whoa, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. And then it became the... The first of the Def Jam games. Yep. Uh, Which is really, really quite a... It was so bizarre, yeah. Did you ever play any of the Def Jam games after that one? They really changed what they were like, right? Like, they... Holy shit, they changed. It was called Thrill Kill. Thrill yep. Kill, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really different, because, yeah, this was just a basic like, Thrill Kill, and basically put Old Dirty Bastard and all the rest of them just reskinned the game. I don't even know if they mm. really, like did much differences with the fatalities either uh, maybe wrong on that but yeah the games after that they kind of had more of a nba streets type style to them a little more cartoony yeah it was way more kind of off the wall yeah 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 did you ever play any of those mike you know i think i played the first one on a demo and a disc that came in a magazine maybe does that sound right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it probably does yeah yeah 
there was one of them that I think it was Method Man's finisher was he just literally punch you in the crotch five or six Ooh. times. The mid nineties, we were all about the how cool it was that you could kill somebody in a game, like actually tear them asunder like that. I don't know why. Yeah, it's extreme. Yeah. Wild nine. Yeah. I feel like I've mentioned this way back in the day, but Wild Nine for PS1, that was a game that I feel like if I go play it now, I'd be okay. Yeah. But when I was watching some of the demo footage as a kid, I was legitimately unnerved by it because even here, yeah, the cover, Wild Nine, torture yep, your enemies. Right now. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Yeah. You had like this kind of zero point energy thing similar to the gravity gun from Half-Life. But you grab your enemies and use them to solve puzzles. Oh. So you can like hold them underwater, or one of the big things that they were showing was you can hold them over like this. Uh, it was like a fire pit. Okay. In the level. Yeah. You can hold them over it and they, they'll slowly start to like cook and char. Oh, it has a really good pedigree. Dave Perry from Shiny. Hmm. What I understand, the game was fantastic. Yeah, and Tommy Tell, uh, is it Tell Rico? Sounds right. Poser, you know, he was always on that, that show before G4 took over, where it was him and that dude that would do the reviews of games. Oh, yeah. Tommy was the little small guy that looked like he would fight it, <laughs> like at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this looks really cool. So it just kind of bothered you too much to really play too much of it because of that. Yeah. Like it just, it didn't, at, at that age, I was still in to be like, yeah, blood, guts, woo. <laughs> but it was like slowly suffocating over a, fire pit that's yeah no and i yeah no i don't i don't feel good anymore and i kind of felt like I, I, maybe i had started just becoming numb to all that but like last year when mortal kombat 11 came out i ended up watching a youtube video that had all the fatalities in like a supercut and halfway yeah. through i just had to stop watching it because it was starting to bother me yeah it's very very extreme on that game i mean there's some where i'm like okay that's a bit much wow even for mortal kombat <laughs> Jim Sterling, who I've had a bad habit of quoting, but then again, I've been watching way too much of him recently. But Jim Sterling had a video recently where he's talking about that, where some of the developers from the new Mortal Kombat games are having to go to therapy sessions. Whoa. Some of them have developed PTSD wow. because Jeez. having to stare at the reference material that they needed to look at for those, yeah, for the fatalities is was started actively fuck with them dang i could make sense it's like how violent do games need to be like especially if we're still going to do the whole oh yeah they're just video games they're not murder simulators (laughs) then don't fucking make your people look at actual hangings to see what that looks like yeah that's That's pretty dark because i mean you would have to worry about that in the old ones because the the fatalities were so silly like somebody would explode and have three skulls in (laughs) (laughs) it was ridiculous Speaking of Mortal Kombat and all that, Mike, since you are like a resident like fighter, I think you're you're the resident fighter guy, right? Maybe you and Cody is Cody into yeah, fighting he games. Yeah, he is. He is. In fact, I just picked up an arcade stick for the first time in this generation. It's it's very satisfying. Oh, nice. I placed all the buttons with uh, some Sanwa parts. It's very nice. Okay, so what's your go-to fighting games these days? I do play a lot of the MK11 just because I like that they've slowed it down. It feels pretty satisfying. I've actually played a lot of Dragon Ball Fighter Z. really. I think that game flows really well like those Marvel Ooh, games. Really? Uh, it's very frenetic, a high pace, but it feels yeah. good. The art looks like you're playing the cartoon, so that's that's phenomenal. It's crazy. It really is. Is that the one that just came out? Uh, no, no, no. This was, well, no, this has been out a couple years, I think, at this point. Okay. 
they've constantly supported with DLC and all that. So that's great. I do like the older Street Fighters. I'm, I'm not a big fan of five. I just, again, with the way the characters look, it just feels kind of trashy to me. It's just kind of off-putting. Uh, but I do like the flow. I like Tekken quite a bit. I've got the Tekken 7 in there. So that's that's what I'm leaning towards. So with the Street Fighter Five, did they just kind of change it up where it's just too much, or is it just like the characters, or what? Yeah, it's... What changes it from like four and the ones before? Well, it, it keeps a similar art style to four, but they've just ramped up this just kind of gross TNA trashiness to it. To me, it just, it just seems kind of hypersexualized in a lot of ways, in a way that I just I just don't want to deal with it. I just play it, and I'm like, ugh, gross, man. Ugh. And it is so bombastic that it, it does feel like a bit of a departure from that classic Street Fighter. So I'll I'll stick with some of the older ones for that. Okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah, because it's just one of those things where I've just never really been good at fighting games. Like, once again, bless her heart, Aelin's dream in life is to one day get me to play a fighting game with her that I'll enjoy. <laughs> I can't do Smash Brothers. Oh, that's my next question, actually. I have a thing with heights because of my oh. history of playing video games. And it unnerves me, that little platform <laughs> that you're on. I don't want to play like she does, where you don't have any of the power-ups or anything on that. On I like full madness, but the problem is full madness really makes it to where i can't play like i can't concentrate on trying to hit a combo or anything when a dog is licking the screen <laughs> you know i just i can't do it what about you boston how are you settled with fighting games i was never like, i enjoyed going to the arcade and doing it sometimes but they never spoke to me we've got injustice 2 uh there's another we've got another one around here that it came with the ps4 that we bought because uh, we bought it from a friend yeah Kim and I will play it every now and then. She loves, like, Kim is uh, addicted. She loves anything where she can prove she's better than everyone else. <laughs> never, I don't know. Some of the timing stuff never got to me. I still sometimes suffer doing, like, just the normal Street Fighter motions. I do main Bowser on Smash, though. Okay, yeah. nice, nice. I, I main Yoshi, which is a detriment to my fear of falling off stuff. Because when I turn into that little Yoshi egg... I can't control myself. I just basically roll off or I roll off sides all the time. Well, that's just you staying in character. You know, I am a method actor, so that's ooh, true. Thank ooh. you for for noticing. So, what have you been playing, Boston? Um, well, since the new season system has dropped for 76, I've been playing that as as of course I have because I love Bethesda's heel. Um, I love to kiss their, their dirty boots because it's what I deserve. Um, Oh, tell everybody the cool story, what you did in, um, was it, I think about last month that you did. That's a really neat story. Which one? The one where you put the sign on your camp. Oh yeah. I saw that on Facebook. The original sign that I put up on my camp was justice for Brianna Taylor and free water. And I was really worried that someone was going to like nuke the camp just to be a dick. But then it seemed like people started like hunting me down in game mm. to gift me things. Which was kind of a weird thing because on one hand, yay, you support the cause, but also, like, am I profiting off of her pain now? <laughs> I don't know how this it feels so weird. Because I knew like one person hunted you down, but it was actually more people that reached out to you? Well, there was the first guy who hunted me down and gave me effectively in-game loot. And then a few people, I would come back to the camp and like whenever you drop an item, it's in a little brown bag unless you have bought some cosmetic variant of it but i come back little bags left near the sign where people had just left in-game flowers in the bags next to the the sign so i'm like that's kind of sweet i think so that kind of gives me hope for online gaming i've not always had the most 
shall we say, uh, thrilling experiences online. So that, that's kind of cool to see stuff in the community happening like that. It threw Bethesda for a loop. Um, a lot of people to be a bunch of trolley bastards. And right. there are a handful out there that do, still do it. But most people in the, in the 76 community were like, no, I play this because my fantasy is helping people. So I'm going to help people. <laughs> nice. no, yeah, no, that gives you really hope in humanity. The current sign that I have, I've moved the camp three times since then. Did I change it this morning? Yeah, it's 120 days without justice for Brianna Taylor. And every day I log in, I just change the number up one huh. until I hear something Ooh. new. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's a little bit going to give you a better chance of getting flowers than what you had yesterday. I keep feeling like I'm ruining someone's day. But then at the same time, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? That's the point of a protest. Is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Make people just a little uncomfortable. And that's why I think it's so cool. Like the meme culture has really worked well with making sure that her name stays out there. Other than that, I have been the new uh, core 2021 just dropped for Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've been playing a whole bunch more arena. I, I got into the Magic Legends beta. It's a closed beta for a new MMO Magic the Gathering game. Well, less MMO, more action RPG. I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement that I wouldn't talk about what I've experienced, but that's okay because I haven't fucking had time to fucking play it. Oh, God. <laughs> I got in that beta like three or four weeks ago, and I haven't fucking done shit. <laughs> that's amazing. So you're... <laughs> that's incredible, Boston. You got excited, though, when you got in it, right? And then you realized... Like, Man, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was fun for the first hour and a half that I played it. It was interesting. All my gaming has been spent playing Dungeons and Dragons oh, wow. on Monday. And I'm looking forward to this Monday, I have to admit. And the new episode. I was literally refreshing, uh, hoping that would be up. So everyone's looking forward to it. I'm stuck at the Manticore Griffin fight uh -huh. right now. I'm trying to figure out how to make it interesting. Like, it's so dry of just like, well, they did another one of those things. And <laughs> then they did they did that. And thought I had like this fun audio to play with, but they didn't actually uh -huh. say anything. I just remembered it wrong. For the listeners... So the name has changed. And this is one of those things where it was just the name was too closely connected to the network that we used to be on. The dark times. Yep. <laughs> yep. So what is the new name and where can they find it? Because I can tell you right now, and all the old episodes are up too, right? Yeah. I re-edited the first five episodes. They are up now on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple. Okay. But it is Sagas and Shenanigans. I got sagasandshenanigans.com which nice. I'm going to be developing that later this month. I got some fun other links to get to the podcast. Yep, it's up on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple. Although after I got Sagas and Shenanigans, got podcast up, got everything finished, I went back and looked at our original dialogue. We were talking about changing the name. It was Sagas of Shenanigans. Uh. <laughs> but, oh well. <laughs> Here we are now. I've been digging the the memes that you guys have been doing to to advertise the new episodes coming out. Oh yeah, the scripts. Oh, that's really really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think there's been one. I was looking on the Facebook page. It's not on here, but there was one that Cody or somebody shared the other day that kind of hinted about something big going up in one of the episodes. But I don't see that one on here. Big Mama Mercy, I think, is mm. what he might have been talking about. Oh yeah, which I believe from where we've got it lined up right now, that will be next Saturday. Big Mama Mercy will be right. next Saturday. It's a phenomenal podcast. Like, I'm not a big D&D &D person, and I was going to be a part of it, and I kind of felt, like, overwhelmed because I'm not a D&D &D guy. 
So I kind of backed out, but I've been enjoying listening to it. Well, thanks. It's really fun. My character's about to get some uh, good character development here. These next couple episodes, there's going to be a little turnaround for him. It's really fun playing a kind of a half drunk atheist who actually literally gets divine <laughs> powers and seeing how it's, it's working out for him. It's, it's pretty fun development. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's great because I can tell that Boston's enjoying his power a little bit because um, on our trips to the comic book store, Boston will tell me the fun things that he's putting you guys through. Nice. And he does it with such a glee <laughs> in his eyes. You can tell how happy he is. He's living his best life. Phenomenal. Love it. Although I do feel bad. I put up that last one for yesterday. And it wasn't until I got it posted and it popped up on my feed, like my personal feed, that I wrote the ancients and it was supposed to be the ancestors uh, i was like oh, fuck it <laughs> enough. i'm not changing it i'm not changing it. it'll it be a retcon same one day thing. whatever yeah yeah it's the same thing i mean psh. if anybody gets mad about that they can come see me they're not gonna be able to find my apartment because it's hard to find sorry that was the inside joke <laughs> i did taco bell right before the show started and every time that i place an order i have to have my phone near me because the Uber, Postmates, whatever, is going to call me because you can't find this apartment. It's so <laughs> messed up how they have the apartment numbers lined up. It makes no sense. I'll tell you something that makes no sense, and that's having a second switch in your household. If your games aren't digital, it sucks. Nice segue. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Yeah. So you recently bought a second switch yeah you know it's quarantine times we're all a big gaming household it turned out every time i had that vibe to sit down and play some switch recently uh, someone else had it so we were lucky enough to come across one at like 5 a.m in the morning online Mm. and um, we'd been getting most of our games digitally and i thought i knew enough about it but once i got at home it was just one frustration after the next if you have your games digitally it is so linked and tied to your account that it's almost it's almost impossible to have anyone else play it if you're not logged into the main accounts playing on that account, there's just so many hoops you got to go through. It is so, so annoying. Really? Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, wow. Nintendo is so archaic when it comes to a lot of their online stuff. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'll give you an example. Okay. Let's say that on the original switch, I had my account and then Jamie had an account, right? As a family member, and I linked her to the yeah. Nintendo online, all that. So if I were to buy a second switch, and then turn that to my primary switch, she could no longer from her account, play the games that I bought on my account, even on the same switch. Even though you're still connected. Yeah, it's obnoxious. So when you would try, would you get like some kind of error message or what would happen? Yeah, it would say you're not able to access these games on the switch unless you're the main account holder, something like that. Really? So how did you find a way to overcome that? I did not find a way to overcome that. The only way to overcome it would be to take the switch that is not my primary one, designate that as my primary one, and then have them play the games from their side account on that one. It's... And even then, we couldn't play the same game online at the same time. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. Like the whole one island per Switch on Animal Crossing. Yeah, per, not even per account or per player, per Switch. That's crazy. Yep. It's so stupid. So you got to like, if you're a family and you have, like my friend Sarah, her daughters like to play the Switch too. So basically, it's her island and her daughters are on there too. And it's, a, I'm sure it's a little frustrating for her and her daughters. Sure. Because you really can't control what you do on the island. Yeah, it may, it just makes absolutely no sense. Nintendo is so ass backwards sometimes with the way they, they, they do stuff. Had I had this foresight of having multiple Switches in the same household, I just would have bought all the games and physical copies because if you have the card, that's not a problem. Anybody can play it. It's just if it's attached to an account, fuck it. It's going to be on that account and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is we ran into that when we had friends that played Destiny 2 on PS4. 
and they were like, yeah, if you want to play with multiple accounts, you have to buy two PS4s and get a copy on each one because you can't really, there's no mm. co-op. Once you said Destiny 2, I will bet you Ratliff series is just <laughs> Wherever he's at, huh? Hmm? <laughs> he just starts looking around. <laughs> yeah, you know it happened. But that, that is frustrating. I don't understand. Well, furthermore, uh, so furthermore, I've got him and her both involved in what's known as the Nintendo family plan. I pay more for my Nintendo online account so they can be part of this quote family plan. And I thought for sure, if they're on that family plan, they can play the same games on the other switch. And that just doesn't affect that at all. So I don't know. Ah, sorry. I'm ranting, but no, no, no. It's, it's frustrating. I mean, because the other systems have figured out how to properly do like a family plan. Well, have they? Well, I, I know with the switch you have the ability to kind of go mobile and have multiple people there but if you're i feel like if i got another ps4 and i kept trying to log into both of them at the same time it'd probably end up yelling at me well they can you yeah. can do game sharing where i could give you my information yeah. log into your ps4 and then log back out and you'd be able to access those games but you can only have one game share per account my friend nick at work he has a ps4 but the ps4 the cd player doesn't work yeah. So he's got a basically in a shared account with a friend and he plays all the games that guy has on his PlayStation. Huh. It can be done. It's just, it just makes no sense. So you've obviously looked online to see if there was a way to get around that mic and there's just nothing. Yeah, I spent two hours, three hours, maybe even going down this just whirlpool of just sadness and frustration. <laughs> one, one article after the next, I'd be like, Oh, okay. That, that'll work if I do this. Nope. And it just, after two hours, I was just beating my head in the wall and I was just like, fine, we'll just, rebuy some of these games fuck it i'm not dealing with this and it's not something you would research before you got it because you think logically this is this is 2020 this is how it's going to work sure especially having them signed up for this family plan or whatever you just assume that yeah. you might have to go through some kind of rigmarole to jump through but just they shut it down no that is so hmm. bizarre good old nintendo <laughs> although you know nintendo is killing it this generation. oh absolutely oh absolutely i can't hate on them because i mean they got me playing animal crossing <laughs> And this is the first time I've ever played an Animal Crossing, and I'm really looking forward to Paper Mario that comes out as of this recording next Friday, the 17th. Oh, yeah. I did read one thing that kind of makes me a little sad is, once again, there's no experience points. Hmm. Hmm. Just like in the last Paper Mario game. So basically, battles are just for you to get coins. Hmm. Everything, as far as like you're upgrading your health and everything, are found in the yeah. world saving toads. Well, that's, you know, they kind of take that approach with Zelda too. They don't really focus on experience points. You just, you power up in different ways. This is true. I guess it's for me, like, I don't ever see Zelda as a real RPG. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Whereas Paper Mario is, um, what's the other big game? Because there's two games that are coming out next fr on Friday. The other one's a PlayStation 4. Oh, the Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah. I say that? Yeah, I, I'm going to say yes. But that looks phenomenal too. It really does. Uh, it looks beautiful. Yeah. I think that's going to be the last playstation 4 big exclusive before they start moving everything into playstation 5 yeah nothing else comes to mind a lot of hype around the ps5 they've got some great build-up for it yeah 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 i can tell you right now i teared up when i saw the miles morales game yep yep absolutely and i and i don't trust any of my friends because nobody sent me any links to it oh so it was like hey ryan check this out <laughs> i was disappointed i was so mad um because it happened like right back to back we got the miles morales game and then they showed the new Ratchet game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was I was super pumped. And I think the look of the system, I, I like I it. I love it. It's got that hyper-futuristic look, that future tech that I really think is cool. I wish more 
places would do that. Like, don't get me wrong, I like retro aesthetics and stuff, yeah. but fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. You have all this new technology, just use it. No, exactly. Yeah, the new the upcoming Xbox I would not call an ambitious design. No, not at all. I, I am hoping though, because so far the monolith? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I am hoping so far that because I think they're doing on the 23rd of this month, they're going to finally start showing games for the Xbox, I guess, first party games. Oh, yep, yep. A lot of eyes on that. A lot of eyes on that. Yeah, because so far, Xbox has been really bad at pushing this new system. I think, number one, the name of it is too confusing to a lot of people. It's absurd at this point. Yeah, it's so stupid. I just really haven't shown anything. I mean, the one thing Xbox has shown that I still don't think Sony has responded to is the whole you buy it on this system you get the upgrade when it comes out that is nice i think that's like super good because a lot of people may wait on cyberpunk 2077 because they don't you know because they don't want to have to double Mm -hmm. dip but now they don't have to worry about it and sony has been really quiet about doing anything like that how do you guys feel about backwards compatibility is that important do you know that's a big thing for a lot of people especially going into this gen with a lot of these rumors flying about uh, how far backwards compatible is it going to be is how, how, how much do you care about that i don't care about it because i'm usually the guy who once i finish a game i trade it in i'm the opposite i end up holding on to a lot of stuff okay. so the idea that a game that i have enjoyed or even more so if i'm if i find a copy of like say silent hill on ps1 i would like to be able to fucking play it mm. without having to go and dig up buy an actual ps1 and hook that one up again like i like the idea that you can but no no and it, it makes sense and it's always good when they do stuff like that because that just shows the company is thinking i guess more towards the gamers so they're not just like we're gonna be greedy you'll get this game when we put it like on our our play store yeah i'm also a PC nerd, so emulators. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? Do you like backwards compatible? I don't know. For me, I so rarely play through the games that I enjoy. I, you know, I'm a big RPG guy, action guy, adventure stuff like that. Yeah. So for me, it's like movies. It's rare that I'll immediately play through a game again. It might be a couple years before I play through something again, if ever, in some cases. So yeah, I don't know. It, it depends on the eras. Like for me, anything in the 16-bit era is going to be pretty awesome in its own way. But there's this dead zone like PS1, PS2, those years, if you go back and play a lot of those games now, you know, they were still learning how to make 3D games. And they're, they're pretty brutal. In most cases, I'll pop it in. I'll be excited. Like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome to play Siphon Tilter. And then I'll get three minutes into it and be like, ooh, ugh, not so much. And then <laughs> I'll cycle through five of those games, be like, wow, backwards compatibility, not that great. Yep. I had that run in with, I've been trying to see what old games I can put on my Microsoft Surface to run. And I remember that I got... Morrowind for <laughs> I got Morrowind through the Bethesda store for free one day and installed it. It runs smooth as silk on that little tablet. Thirty minutes in, I'm like, "Oh right, this is Morrowind." <laughs> I'm I've made a mistake. I would say though that you you know I wish sometimes that I did keep my old games because like if I had like an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers uh-huh. from the 1985. <laughs> I can also do segways. Nice, nice. I could have made myself some money because I think a copy just sold this week for $114,000. Yep, new world record. New record. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I think they said the only thing that's sold more than that was the Nintendo PlayStation prototype that sold for $360,000. Oh, wow. But cartridge-wise, 
this is it. My friend once had a super expensive cartridge. I don't know if he ever sold it or not, but you know how like Blockbuster would do the thing where uh, they would have like Star Fox and you had like five minutes to play the game to see how far you got and see what your high score was and you sent it in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My friend had that because he worked at a Blockbuster and when the promotion ended, the Blockbusters, you know, instructed their employees to destroy every cartridge, right? And they said, don't fuck with us because we're Blockbuster and we're going to be around forever. (laughs) (laughs) Some employees took their copies home. And I think those, if you have one in really good shape still, it goes for a pretty penny. Yeah. So I don't know if my friend kept his or not, but I remember we played it one year when there was like nine of us piled into a Dragon Con room, a hotel room at Dragon (laughs) Con, which that's kind of bummer. I'm going to Dragon Con this year. This will be the first year I haven't gone in almost a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah, they finally did the right thing on Monday mm. and canceled it for this year. That was sad. They kept him in hauling. They just last week started allowing people that had already paid for this year's convention to push it to next year's. They were waiting. Huh. People were going, let us, <laughs> let, us, let us have our money back or push it back. Don't make us come and die. Uh, and DragonCon just kept going, we're still thinking about what we're going to do. And then finally, in the end, I think Dragon Con started to see uh, there are not going to be any celebrities there. Nobody's, no celebrities are going to show up, and attendance would be at the point where it just makes no sense for them. Well, you already know what it's like when yeah. uh, the con funk starts spreading around one anyway. Everybody gets that cough or gets the sniffles, a cold starts going yeah. around. Imagine that on today's level. I don't, I don't think that's something anybody wants. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's why the whole forcing schools to open in the fall is such a bad idea right now. The Comic Con, there was one year. At the convention where I went, it was me, Aylin, my friend Jason. Aylin was germaphobic, like washing her hands, trying to give us sanitizer and stuff like that, right? And I just kind of said, this is silly. This isn't needed. <laughs> As we were coming home from Dragon Con, there's a Mexican restaurant that we stop in. When you get in Chattanooga, there's a mall there, and they have a really nice Mexican restaurant right outside of it. And as I was sitting there eating yeah. my nachos... I could feel myself just overcome getting sick. Like just flip of the dime, I was sick. And I was sick for a whole week. Ooh. Like it was bad. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Next year I'm going to follow Aylin's rules. <laughs> I got the, what the air C or whatever it's called. I had the hand sanitizers. I took vitamins in the morning. I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I cannot imagine. You're If you go, if they had it this year, everyone's getting COVID. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Yeah, everybody's going to get COVID. You just cannot escape it. Do you go to any of those conventions, Mike? Uh, you know, none of the none of the major ones, really. This is going to sound astonishing. I, I've grown up with knowing the legend of it since I was in middle school, but I've never been to Dragon Con. I don't know how or why that has not occurred, but uh, maybe when the maybe when this all comes back around, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go together. Yeah, let's do it. I like it. We'll invite Aylin. Yeah, and Boston, you know what? You can come uh, too. I would like to go back to Dragon And bring Con. the wife. We would like to go back to Dragon and Con. you know what? Fingy, you don't get to come oh. because you spoiled last of us. <laughs> this will be your punishment. Banned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, it was going to come back, Fingy. You're not escaping that that easy. I've been playing. I finally started Bloodstained. I'm about to. I'm, I'm so close to starting it. You know, a few years ago, because it started as a Kickstarter game, mm-hmm. right? I was nervous to try it because you know how bad the Kickstarter for the Mega Man's Creators game went. Oh, like uh, Mighty, Mighty uh, Number Nine, Nine. Yeah, 
I had that ex- yeah. I had that exact same process. I was like, oh, it's going to be the same thing. But then when reviews started hitting, all the reviews were good. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get this on my Switch because my Switch is my go-to game for Metroidvanias anyway. Mm-hmm. So I picked it up, and that night, after I'd already prepaid for it, the reviews started coming in, and the reviews were bad for the Switch version. It was supposed to be a technical nightmare. It'd be like, you know those games where you jump to the next screen, and then you, when you jump, you have to see, like, oh, do I jump right or do I jump left? Mm-hmm. Each time you jumped up to the next scene, there was like a 10 to 15 second load Ooh. time. It was bad. Ooh. And they released the game bad. They knew how bad it was. They immediately said they were going to put everybody on fixing doing the patches and everything. But it was one of those things where it's like, just release the game later. Right. You know, release it for everything and say the Switch version is coming later, but they didn't do that. So I think I had a little bit of a, a mad on about that game for a while. Well, as beautiful as it looks, I mean, it should not be technically demanding for the Switch at all. So I'm not sure how they released it so hacked like that, you know? It was so bad. They were like, I was just watching videos just showing like the differences between the systems and it was ridiculous, like load times and all that. Hmm. But it runs smooth now. I think they've done like three or four patches since it came out last year. I think they, I think it's it runs as good as the Switch version is going to run the game, I guess, now. And I'm enjoying it. I'm about three or four hours into nice. it. And it's supposed to be a pretty meaty game. My friend said they took about 60 hours to beat it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's supposed to be a pretty meaty Metroidvania. Dang. So, yeah, so I'm excited to get back. And it is hard, and the story is pretty nonsensical. It's at the point now where I'm kind of fast-forwarding to most of the dialogue <laughs> because it's too much dialogue, and the story is just dumb. <laughs> It's like they said, hey, Scott Snyder, do you want to write uh, this? Uh, <laughs> Call back. Bring it around. Bring it around. I also wanted them to play the, the, the follow-up they did to the, to the 8-bit. Because before the game came out, one of the Kickstarter stretch goals was, you know, you, we're going to do an 8-bit version of Bloodstained. It's going to be like a prequel, and it's going to feel like the original Castlevania. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. It did. And now they just brought out the sequel to that, Circle of the Moon 2, which is supposed to play like Castlevania three and it has a Corgi and a war. Oh yeah. And I am down for that. Speaking of 2d side scrollers, been playing the tropical freeze lately. The old donkey Kong country. I picked that up uh, for the first time. Okay. uh, That's magical. That's a good one. That's it's got the nostalgia. You got the, the quality. It's awesome. Huh? Okay. Difficulty makes it a little hard to enjoy for me. No, not for me personally, but you know, I come from that era. I'm also like a dark souls guy. So to me, I like it to be pretty stiff on the, uh, the okay. challenge rating. No, I, I've not struggled with it yet. Now, admittedly, I'm, I'm not that far into it, but I've never had even yeah. a moment of frustration yet. I'm one of those people that I grew up in the same era as you did, but I've decided I've done my time with super hard games. Uh, yes. And for my heart, it's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> when I was put in the hospital last year for a week, my friends brought me all my stuff and they couldn't find my Switch game. So they just brought me the Switch and the game in it was Tropical Freeze. Great game, solid platforming, but it just got to a point where I couldn't go any farther. Even with the Funky Kong, which is supposed to make the game super easy, there was still some stuff I couldn't hit. Because I'm also one of those people where if I see like the little collectible things, I can't move forward unless I get uh, it. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. No. Yeah, I, I have to get the collectibles. I it, it drives me crazy if I finish a stage and I miss like the O and Kong. Yep. Yeah, I can't do it. Cannot do it. So, but Tropical Freeze, you're... You're digging yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's got that classic feel I was looking for and that modern quality okay. I was wanting. So, yeah, so far, A. Plus. Did you like the last one they did too? That one slipped through the cracks for me somehow. I don't know. I never got around to that okay. one. Okay. Try to find that one. I don't know if they if they put it, if they have a version of it on the Switch. 
it's really good too. I mean, it's still just like this one. It gets pretty hard. When did it come out on the Wii? I think it came out. Yeah, I think it must have came out on the Wii because Tropical Freeze came out on the Wii mm-hmm. U. I played it on the 3DS. Ah, super good game. No, definitely. I, I I think I'll do like Tropical Freeze a little bit more because Tropical Freeze lets you be Dixie, right? Yes. And I like the yeah. I like the helicopter ponytail because it lets you control more of your jumps and where you're going. That reminds me of Super Mario 2 where they each had their individual feel and little abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, so uh so you're going to play you're going to finish that and then you're going to do Blood Rain. Um I'm I'm trying or... to actually uh, get through the Rondo of Blood, Castlevania. It's one that slipped through the cracks for me. I absolutely love Symphony of the Night. Never got to play Rondo of Blood, the precursor to that game. It's on the TurboGrafx-16 if I'm not mistaken, which I never had. Yep. I downloaded it on the Ooh. PS4 <laughs> recently in a package with that and Symphony of the Night and uh, it is spectacular. It's more linear obviously than Symphony of the Night. It was yeah. leading up to it, but yeah, it's classic Castlevania with Excellent graphics and sound. It's cool to see what the Turbo Graphics could do, having not had one to mess with back in the day. And uh, it's pretty impressive. I could have imagined how to play that game back then. I would have been blown away. I remember would see in the video game magazines the games for the Turbo Graphics like that, the pinball game Alien Crush and Demons Crush, oh, yeah. and Bonk's yeah. Adventures, and just be freaking out. But <laughs> I think the Turbo Graphics. I don't think the price point was as bad as the Neo Geo system. Oh yeah, that was absurd. <laughs> Where the games are like what 200 bucks a game the the games were the same price as a console at that point it was just like one of those things where you you had to choose the console you were going to get and then basically shit talk the rest (laughs) of the consoles and that was just basically so in your mind you would feel good about your choice you couldn't admit that there were some decent sega genesis games if you had a super nintendo nope you just couldn't do it you had to say and i had to do that yeah i had to lie i wanted to play that spider-man game on the sega genesis (laughs) but i had i had a super nintendo yeah, I was always uh, more of the Super Nintendo. I, I did have a best friend that had the Genesis, so I got to double dip. And they were actually, you know, in most ways, pretty different from one another. Yeah, the Sega Genesis had some really good titles, like the Shinobi game. Oh, absolutely. Back in the day where I guess they didn't really care about copyrights, and you had to fight Spider-Man and Batman, mm-hmm. and I think Hulk Hogan and Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah, they were worrying about international copyrights, so they had the original versions had fucking Spider-Man and Batman as villains. Some of the remakes have adorable attempts yeah. to cover it up. Yeah. They're still like, oh, you know, you awesome. know what's going on. Yeah, oh yeah. It's just like, here's spider guy, Spider-Man, bro. <laughs> it's a Spider-Man. I don't know how Sega thought they were going to get away with that. It's so weird, but I guess that was, you're right. It's like still near the Genesis of video, no pun intended, hmm. of video games. And so they may just like, maybe all that copyright stuff was still kind of tricky. A little, like, I guess maybe a little. Or maybe they just didn't yeah. think anybody would notice. Like, it's just video games, comics, it's kids. Who cares? No one will care. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to care. Uh, suddenly Sega start bringing out like their own Mario games. <laughs> Stupid children. <laughs> oh, that's some good stuff. Because I always remember that when you'd always have that kid in school who would lie and say that he played a game featuring like Mario and Sonic together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we're always that guy or that kid that's like, Yeah, I saw episodes one through three. And you're like, I did, I saw it, I did. Yeah, and you were like, I I know you're lying, but I can't prove it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you just had to accept because you couldn't say, No, they just started with episode four, because that makes you look like the insane one. <laughs> so you just had to agree with it. No, that's amazing. Before we go, Mike, plug what's going on because you guys are sticking with the name Geeks in Here at the Earth. We are. Uh, we don't foresee any problems with that. So uh, there should not you know. be. And where and you guys at it? 
uh, fourth geek, right? Oh, absolutely. The uh, the wonderful Jamie Skull. Uh, you know, she she'd helped put the shows together, and she's been there for us, a guest star, a couple times, and we've gotten great responses from the episodes that she's been on. It just it just felt right to bring her up and have her officially part of the show. So uh, yeah, it's a team of four now. Uh, welcome aboard, Jamie Skull. Women are the future. <laughs> On top of that, too, the cool thing with her is her and I are about to become Animal Crossing best friends, BFFs, which is exciting. Yep. She uh, asks specifically Absolutely. for that. So. And it looks like you guys are continuing tradition of really good interviews, right? Didn't you just... What was the movie that you guys just put up the interviews oh, for? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for thanks for asking about that, actually. It's a movie called Volition. And I know when you're involved with interviews, things of that nature, your people are just going to assume you're just tagging the, you know, towing the company line and promoting the movie. But this movie is legit awesome. I was really surprised by it. It, it. There's a lot of tropes. If you just read it on paper, you think you know the movie you're about to see, but you really don't. It's literally, there's so many revelations, one after the next. It's, it's very clever. And I was, uh, I was actually very surprised. It's nice, hard sci-fi, and it really puts a spin on some things that you think you know that you don't i recommend it oh very cool i know your interviews went up yesterday when's the movie release that actually just came out uh, yesterday if i'm not mistaken you can find that on demand all your favorite streaming services will have that available uh, for purchase by lionsgate films and I, you know what i was really a big fan of the main actor in this glenn mcmoran i believe his name was uh, his character in the show really reminded me of that classic 90s lead character like um, Spider Jerusalem or Jesse Custer. He had that kind of feel to me where he just had this kind of seedy, authentic aspect to him. Uh, that does he kind of reminded me of some of those iconic characters. So I, I latched onto him immediately. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's a good one. That's very cool. Yeah, just like, and there's going to be a lot of Lionsgate stuff coming down the pipeline for you as well as some other shows. Absolutely. Which is super exciting. They seem like they're a really cool company to work for and they seem like they make good products. A lot of authenticity there. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And one thing we do before we leave each episode is we we tell each other our favorite parables. You can go first, Mike. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, I was excited. Prodigal son. Yeah, I was still far to go with that. But we do like since we're still in that time of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. a lot of people still are staying home more than anything. Do you have any recommendations? TV, comic books, movies, anything recommending that you just kind of discovered during? the pandemic that you think other people should check out yeah i'm gonna have to say if you've paid attention to our show at all star girl obviously a big one it's got that heart and soul we're looking for jamie's been getting a big kick out of flora's lava on netflix it's silly lighthearted. it's like it's like double dare it's so good <laughs> and you know something like ninja warrior these people train and train for this and the people in flora's lava they're just average people so that makes it even more fun to me yeah, and I like how when one of them falls into the lava, it's basically like they die. Yeah, yeah, they're like, no! And you don't see them again for the rest of the course. They like, sink and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, that, um, you know, that's... In one episode, the sister realizes she's screwed where she's at. She can sacrifice herself so her mother and brother can survive. And they do it so <laughs> dramatically. To where the brother falls to his knees and says, I will avenge you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, beautiful. it's amazing. Each episode's three teams trying to get through the room. I think the room changes each episode. Yeah, there's five courses, I believe. Okay. Super fun show. I think the kind of thing we probably could use right now. Yeah, yeah. Lighthearted, good times, fun. Yeah. And I've also good. been kind of on an old school kick there's been a lot of awesome gi joe and transformers coming out lately i've been a huge fan of so i've been wanting to go back and rewatch a lot of those episodes and you know if you're not into the downloading things like that Tubi, it's an awesome free app it's got so much 80s old school goodness on there all these transformer shows all the gi joe all that stuff so if you're kind of getting the itch for that check that out okay awesome 
Boston, anything? Catch up on Shira. <laughs> if you've ever considered what does this terrible, horrible thing called 76 that Boston keeps talking about, <laughs> and you have an Xbox and the Game Pass, guess what? Fall 76 is currently available on Xbox Game Pass. Oh. So make a Bethesda.net account, and it's not going to cost anything more to hop on there and play around with it, check it out. Swing by Boston's camp. Yeah. If you can, if you can find me. If you can find me. Leave him some flowers. Yeah. Show, show him that you care. Yes. I. Surprises. <laughs> you know you care. Nice. <laughs> I'm too young to get that reference. Yeah. I co-sign Stargirl. I think it's the most enjoyable of the CW shows right now, even though it didn't really start as a CW show. I really enjoy it. And I would say we just finished it. It's on Apple. So we have Apple for all mankind. It's an alternate history story of uh, the space race. Hmm. It starts Ooh. where Russia is the first to land on the moon. Oh. And it goes from there. They use like they doctor historical footage where you see like Nixon screaming in the in the White House because he's made to look like a fool. The Nazi scientist that basically NASA brought over to help build their space force. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They really destroy him in it because America turns on him when they're not the first to land on the moon. The first season leaps over about five years. It goes into some really interesting places. Super good. I think the first season's done, and they had gotten through eight episodes before everything got shut down in March. So hopefully the second season will come out this fall. It's by the guy who did the remake of Battlestar Galactica a few years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you enjoyed that, it's got a really good cast. I was really blown away with how good it was. Definitely a good show. All 10 episodes are up, and for people who binge, will probably want to binge it because each episode ends on a on a pretty good cliffhanger. So really, it's the, the second alternate history telling of the moon landing, of course, being the, the first being... The, <laughs> sorry, sorry. We'll discuss that off here, <laughs> otherwise, as, as we will not. Um, <laughs> that, that's amazing. You know what? We'll let you do like what Bingy's going to do. We'll let you do a 20-minute diatribe on that and we'll tag it to the end of the episode <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> awesome that's amazing so does bingy's thing have a name are we calling his segment something i'll figure that out in post nice we'll fix it in post uh-huh. i'm excited thank you so much mike for joining us oh thank you it's been great and boston thank you for being you i do what i can nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna thank me okay that's fine remember all of you thank you oh you guys <laughs> I am me. You are you, Ryan. There's no, no. more. And there's probably a good thing. God destroyed the mold when he made me and goes, let's not make that mistake again, guys. Yeah, we got Dragon Con plans to make for the oh. future. <laughs> yes, Dragon Con <laughs> next year. God for yeah. God willing that everything is better by next year. Not <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> and with that, we thank you so much for joining us on our first episode here at BRBAFK Podcast. Uh, check us out as we're developing... <laughs> brbafkpod.com as well as you can find us on Stitcher and Spotify and Apples and soon uh, other places that you can find podcasts because I want us everywhere. So thank you again, Mike, for thanks. coming over yeah, and seeing thanks, us. And, uh, I look forward to. Oh, we didn't talk about we didn't talk uh, about the commander the anyway. Well, uh, we'll we invite you over to the Geeks and Hair to the Earth and we'll have a good old fashioned uh, old fashioned magic episode. Oh yes. 
the, it's it's a surprise, Ryan. We'll talk to you, we'll talk to you about it when okay. you're older. All right. And, uh, good night, internet. Uh, yep. Keep on gaming.